The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. <laughs> Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. And we're on, and welcome to a holiday edition of Three Yards Per Carry. I'm Alfredo Arteaga. I have Chris Kaufman here with me. I do not have Simon Clancy. He is dealing with a family matter. And It's also show- Boxing Day. Yeah, oh my god how did i forget did we send him gifts for boxing day i i, I forgot okay. i'll say it got lost in the mail well we are three yards per carry and we're brought to you by the great folks at AutoNation. since AutoNation is america's largest automotive retailer chances are they have the vehicle you're looking for shop for over 100,000 new cars trucks vans and sport utilities from the luxury of a mercedes-benz to that chevy pickup truck you always wanted they've got it AutoNation helps finance over 430,000 people every single year, and you could be next. Get a great rate today. AutoNation strives to make the car buying process quick and easy, but most of all, stress-free. In addition to an extensive selection, all pre-owned vehicles go through a rigorous 125-point inspection and come with an everyday low, no-haggle price. One price, no pressure. Guaranteed. Start your search right now at AutoNation.com. And as always, like I tell you every single week, go to the store. If you, want a, if you want a Chevy or a GM, go to that store on 8600 Pines Boulevard. If you're in the area, go see, say hi to my friends, Aldo and Miguel, and they'll take care of you. Tell them that Three Yards Per Carry sent you. Well, Chris, how did you enjoy the holiday? Uh, it was pretty busy. <laughs> I don't know about you, but, um, but we have a lot going on in our family uh, over the holidays. So we have like two different Christmas Eves and, uh, and then a, uh, Christmas day two like two different celebrations on Christmas day as well. And so, um, in addition, there's, there's some of our family have birthdays in December too, really complicating the issue. So, you know, there's probably, I think it must've been, I was counting it up and I think there were five celebrations over the course of three days. Wow. So, yeah. yeah. So, uh, pretty busy. Yeah. It's kind of, kind of like for me, like I associate Christmas with a lot of work and, uh, losing a lot of money. <laughs> so, so I go and I spend a ton of money on a, bu- a bunch of people. And then that's I a sore up, spot for me. Yeah. I show up at my sister's house and they tell me, all right, here, we're building a fire pit to, to do a, <laughs> to, to roast the pig. So here, here's a bunch of blocks and start building a fire pit. So I built a fire pit roasted a pig came out pretty good it always does but it was a lot of family friends yeah, nice. drinking eating 
I had uh we we before the holidays we went to Disney of course and that was that was pretty awesome but uh for the you know we've got a five-year-old and she's enjoying it she's running around she's having a great time but um yeah this holiday is just really busy and and relatively football less I guess yes (laughs) you know except for except for the Sunday you know that the which was more like you know blood day uh for for the miami dolphins fans yeah but with and too many of those have been have been that way um for us this year but uh yeah so so monday tuesday uh not much football going on and so that in itself is a little bit i I wish there were more bowl games and stuff going on yeah i had i had a very odd feeling because my father gave me some dolphin gear he gave me like some dolphin polos Really mm-hmm. nice one, you know, some Nike dry fits. And I looked at them and I was like, oh, these are nice. And I was like, man, I want to go set these on fire. Like the <laughs> My wife gave me some throwback gear and a throwback hat. Oh, So that's nice. That's nice. I got them and I threw them in the closet and I told them, oh, I'll see you next year. <laughs> but yeah, this, this Dolphin team. And we will get into them as soon as you hear these words from Simon Clancy on our other great sponsor, Bet DSI. We need to talk about our sponsor, BetDSI, who've been with us for months. We are very, very grateful. And as the NCAA and NFL seasons come towards a conclusion, you can take your pigskin knowledge to the bank with our sponsor, BetDSI.com. They have almost 21 years online and an impeccable reputation for great service and fast payment for your cash. Excellent mobile interface. If you're wandering around aimlessly like 98% of human beings do, looking at their phones all the time, you can play, win, get paid, bet, anytime and to help you get started if you haven't already they're offering double your money on your first deposit so you deposit start winning and get up to two and a half thousand dollars free that's double your money from the get-go so when it comes to anything football ncaa football major league baseball when it starts again ufc the basketball the premier league esports political stuff anything you can bet on brexit whether it's going to happen or not if you're that inclined i mean you wouldn't be but if you were they've got every wager you could want or imagine if it's happening in sport bet dsi've got it so join today using promo code yards 101 that's yards 101 to get in the action and get paid you can enjoy the games much more when you play at betdsi.com and we're back uh now we want to talk about this horrible abomination of a game against the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars that took place on Sunday. But really what we want to talk about is when was the, when was the moment for you that you realized that this, this season is basically over. This team is over. This team is trash. Um, If you believe that's the case, Uh, you know, was it, was it, before was it like uh was it the minnesota game was it even before that uh, the indianapolis game was it uh or was it this game alf i want to get your thoughts like when did you know when did you know what was the straw that broke the camel's back okay uh there's three moments in in my mind uh the first moment it's like um like what alcoholics call like a moment of clarity where you realize, you know, oh my God, I'm an alcoholic. I got to fix this, but I can't. I'm a dolphin. I've got to fix this, but I can't. <laughs> yes, it's, it's one of those things. My first moment was the realization, okay, this team is not special. And that was in New England. I said it on the pod. Mm. I like this team. I like the makeup of this team. Mm-hmm, I like the quarterback. Mm-hmm. I like the coaching. I like the players on defense. They're going to play the Patriots tough and they'll Mm. just lose to Tom Brady because Tom Brady is Tom Brady. 
Well, that didn't happen. They went no. over there and they just got killed. Yep. For pretty much three quarters and a half. They were competitive for about half a quarter. And that okay. told you that this is this is we're looking at a very similar creature yes. to what we've seen. In so the that past game, which was the fourth game of the season, told me, okay, this is one of those baseline teams, playoffs, mm. six seed, if lucky, a five seed because everybody else in the AFC is terrible. Mm. That type of team. But no shot at a division title, no real shot at eleven wins or a special season. You might get 10 if you get the breaks to go your way. Nine and seven, you get into the playoffs. So you could, you, you get pretty excited about that. Mm-hmm. Then the second moment was Tannehill coming back. They play a great game. Not Tannehill, but the team played a great game for three quarters and a half. They have a 10-point yeah. lead. And you're looking at him and you're thinking to yourself, my God, yeah, this is, this is a playoff team. No mm-hmm. doubt about it because this set up as, and we said it on the podcast too, Going into that game, we said this was had the feel of a loser-go-home game. Mm. We caught a very hot Colts team. I think they had won four in a row at that time and all four games by double digits. So we got them in their home place, tough place to play, great quarterback on their side playing at his best, uh, very well-coached team, good running game, good defensive players, Darius Leonard, who is a rookie of the year candidate. Everything going in their favor, we still managed to have a 10-point lead midway through the fourth quarter, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, we're not wrong about this team. This team is a playoff team. I'm happy with that. I love that this guy just came back, and we came over here, and we fought these guys, and we're going to the playoffs. They -hmm. blow that game. (laughs) Okay? (laughs) And right there you're thinking, okay, this is not a playoff team. This is more one of those 8-8 and teams, but maybe they can get lucky. And then you come to this Jaguars game, and it's the third instance. And forget about the Minnesota game because before the season started, we all thought – in fact, I picked them in the Super Bowl. I thought Minnesota had the most talented roster in the NFL. Mm-hmm. So I thought that they would be in the Super Bowl. And my pick in the AFC, I believe, was the Steelers, which is not looking very good right now because it looks like the <laughs> might overtake. It was for a while. <laughs> yeah, it was. But – Okay, forget about the Vikings game because we had that as a loss. Okay, so let's just toss that aside. And, okay, can this team meet expectations? Well, they got a Jaguars team at home. They got a Bills team on the road. They're 4-1 in the division. You know, Gay seems to beat the Bills a lot. So, yeah, why not finish out the season 9-7? and seven And then, yeah, they didn't do anything extraordinary. They didn't excite you. Besides, you know, the two big wins against the Bears and, and the Miracle in Miami. But you know what? They could point to that record and say, look, you know, we didn't underachieve. We might have overachieved due to all the injuries. You know, 9-7, and seven, that should be acceptable. No, they didn't do that. Mm-hmm. They managed to score on their first possession and nothing else against a team that seemed hell-bent on losing to us because God knows they, they gave us opportunities in that game. Yeah, they're kind of, they're kind of, you, you'd accuse them at times before this game anyway of kind of yeah. phoning it in. Yeah, which is odd about them is that go look at their defensive numbers and they still hold up. They have a good defense. Yeah, they do. They do. They have they a good defense. Go. You know, which is not so odd when you look at it, you know, you, they have a lot of good players on that defense. Yeah, they do. Smith is great. Very talented. It's great. Both corners are really good. I, I, I've always been a big fan of Sean Gibson. Uh, Calais Campbell, we all know. He, yeah. I thought he right. was a great signing. We wanted him for the Dolphins. So, yeah. The team is talented, but still, you know, yeah, it's, it's a one-sided team trying to lose a game to you. 
and you just don't take it from them. And mm-hmm. nine and seven is just not in the cards. And honestly, it looks like seven and nine. It's what's going to be. And they're going to be a team that, in my opinion, underachieved. And why did they underachieve? You could kind of point to the quarterback. And, and, I'll, and I'll give you this. He played 10 games this year. Okay? Ryan Tannehill did. In those 10 games, he had a passer rating and a yards per average rating higher than his career average six times. You mm-hmm. know what the record was in those six games? Mm. Five and one. He had a passer rating and a yards per average rating below his career averages four times. They were 0-4. This was one of those four games. Mm-hmm. So you ended up with a team that was really at the mercy of your average quarterback. And he picked this game. And I understand that, yes, you know, uh, we didn't get any help in the weekend. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the Chargers ended up becoming the Chargers again. And uh, the Redskins just fell apart in the last four minutes of that game. It was just an abomination. Yeah. How they just they, – they, they blew a 10-point lead quicker than we blew ours against the Colts. And an accomplishment. Yeah, which is quite an accomplishment. But – and, yes, we lose, we're eliminated, and then the Colts complete their comeback and really eliminate us, which, you know, they would have eliminated us regardless. But, yeah, it, even though the, the playoffs were not on the line, you kind of wanted them to finish up strong and point to a 9-7 and seven record and say, you know, we didn't underachieve – we might have not overachieved, but we did what was expected. They didn't do yeah. that. They couldn't do that, and it was really at the feet of the quarterback. And I don't want to hear about injuries. If he's playing, the quarterback and the coach deemed him good enough to play, and that's it. He lost, and he played terribly to lose. So, to me, that was the last straw, and it was really the last straw as far as thinking that Ryan Tannehill is anything as far as for the future. Like, he's obviously not the future, and mm-hmm. – He's nothing more than last resort bridge quarterback for next year, in my opinion. I think that when you brought up the stat about his um, – or you brought up the trend about his, uh, his quarterback rating and um, in certain games and they go five and one versus, versus the other, I th- what stands out to me about that is that he needs, he needs a significant amount of help from the rest of his team. Yes. Now, and – that's the position that he's in certainly this year uh we could argue whether it's you know just at this point in his career as he's 30 years old and um battling back from certain injuries and stuff like that but what you what what shouldn't be disputable is that at the beginning of the year and in the those first three games and think about the Raiders game is stands out in my mind in particular think of the help he got you know and how he basically got to do nothing particularly outstanding and end up walking out of that game with a a ridiculous passer rating and you know all those uh, all those gaudy stats and I think that in the games where he had the good passer ratings um, you know he was doing a good job fundamentally executing but not doing things necessarily outstanding and he was just getting the help he was getting guys that were that were you know making stuff happen after the catch and um, making stuff happen in general. And I think that when um, when that stops and when that doesn't happen, then all of a sudden it's like you know hey he's he's efficient but you're not winning, <laughs> yeah. and um, and so uh, so it, it's for me 
keeping in mind I entered into the season, my my prediction, we go back to the to our our preview of the Tennessee Titans. You know, we all gave our predictions for the season. Mine was nine and seven, and I, I thought that um, you know, clearly better than last year, and I've been thumping that pretty hard i think they are better than than the six and ten team from 2017 but uh but not necessarily a step up so there are very there were some more like affirming moments early in the season mm-hmm. the new england game is a great one you bring up because the, that tells me yep this is the same creature i'm, I'm used to, to dealing with because they're they're just shit on the road and i expect them to be shit on the road under an adam under adam gase as the head coach and yeah, they were. That's that's the way that's the way it is. I and mean, then they followed it up with the Cincinnati game too. And the Cincinnati game again, crap on the road. And yeah. uh, and and so those two, you have it right there. We know that this is. And so I'm thinking at that point we're on our way to my nine and seven prediction. Um, you know, especially if we have some unlucky things happen to us, which we always seem to have. Um, so we're on our way to that, but the thing that was going on that was sort of in the background, and this is before we knew Tannehill was going to miss five, the next five or whatever games, the thing that was going on in the background was watching Tannehill in the first five games in general, not just those two games, uh, be terrible against the blitz, which it was totally different than when, than in 2016 when he was good against the blitz. And he had physical abilities in 2016 that he, he just wasn't displaying in the first five games. And that was probably my first indicator that, wait a minute, this might not even be the team that you think it is, you know, at nine and seven. Uh, because if Tannehill is, is not showing those sorts of physical abilities and is not doing well, faring well against the Blitz, then things could start to break down. And um, I think that when the first time that they got knocked off of the track that I thought that they were on was actually when Tannehill wasn't in. And that was against the Detroit Lions at home. Uh, I thought that that game should have been a win, should have been a strong win. Yeah. Uh, instead, it was a pretty, you know, it was, it was sort of a, a loss that happened in the latter, the last stages of the game um, that got away from them. And, uh, and that was, that told me, okay, they're they're not really on the track that I that I hoped that they could be on like 10 and 6 a little one game surprise for my 9 and 7 you know here's here's they're they're going down now they're going a little bit downhill um the Indianapolis game I didn't really expect necessarily to win I don't think so um so I didn't really I didn't really take much from that but for me, what did it was the Minnesota game. I know you say, you know, you would have penciled that in as a loss, but I don't think that was true as you went through the season. I mean, before the season started, you would have penciled the Jags game as a loss, right? Uh, because the Jags were a very strong team last year with an, a ridiculous defense. And even though they're at home, you know, the Dolphins were at home, it was still going to be a very, very tough game. I The way the season played out, Minnesota was in turmoil. They just fired a coach. Um, they've just been terrible the last month uh, before they played us. And Adam Gase can take all his shit excuses about, oh, they were fired up because they just fired their coach. I don't give a shit. I mean, they were, they were a team in turmoil that wasn't finding ways to win. And this was a Miami Dolphins team that with Ryan Tannehill coming back and being more efficient than they'd gotten out of Brock Osweiler – you know, sort of redoubling their efforts toward the run game, which we noticed, which was paying off. Yeah. Um, 
they should have been they should have been able to go up there and give them a game and and be good and instead they got blowed the hell out <laughs> and yeah, what was um, interesting about that game and maddening about it really was the game starts and you're thinking to yourself my god they're gonna lose by 60 in this game <laughs> and then they score on the first play of the second half and it's 21 17 and you're looking at yourself and you say my god is are the Vikings going to do this thing again where they just they mm-hmm. snatch victory from the jaws of the feet? <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And nope. They had three possessions. They didn't do anything with it. And they ended up getting blown out anyway. See, that's where I thought before that Vikings game, that's where I thought that we're still on the track that I had set, that nine and seven. Now, when they didn't do that, now and especially the conditions that led to it, the conditions that they didn't do it in where, where they got blitzed, constantly and Tannehill couldn't fight back against it uh which only just further you know confirmed the initial observation from earlier in the season um yeah especially the way that went down I was like you know what they're not I have to come to grips with this they're not even as good as I thought that they would be at that nine and seven um this is a worse team than that and they may win this weekend or they may not um I'm not sure it matters uh they're an eight and eight team and they are worse than I expected. They're worse team than I expected um, by by a margin, you know. Um, so that that was it. It was the Vikings game. This Jags game wasn't terribly surprising to me at this point. I mean, that's that's the truth of it. Uh, and and so even though they were at home, even though even though they were at even though they were at home, because if you look at what happened last year. And it's the, the worst. Game. It's the worst offensive performance by a Tannehill Gates team at home in the three years. Yeah, well, but look at last year. Look at last year. What happened when they won that Denver game, and then they came back and and beat New England and got all fired up. What did they do? They they dropped the last three games of the year, including home. You know, and and that was. I mean, that was how things ended in 2017. That led to the six and ten record. And uh, and it looks like they're on the way to doing the exact same thing this time they they got to you know they got to their moment against new england and then just collapsed against the minnesota vikings on the road and then collapsed against the jags and and now this weekend i don't know what the fuck if they might not actually lose to the bills but if they don't it's because whereas last year adam gase was like i'm gonna put in david fails and i'm not actually and some young guys I'm not actually going to try to win this game. Mm-hmm. Um, they're this time. Adam Gase is hell bent on winning it, uh, no matter how you know meaningless it is. Because eight and eight sounds better than seven and nine, is what he says. And so, so maybe they, so maybe they do win it. Be, you know, unlike a year ago when they when they continued on and, and lost the final game of the year to the Bills. But I'm not sure that it matters because the difference is just a decision whether to try to win the game or whether to get the young guys experience. Yeah. And, um, and that's, and, and what happened this year is exactly what happened last year. There was that moment of, you know, that moment of glory against the new England Patriots followed by a complete collapse. Yeah. And, um, and that's, that's sad. And that, that, I, that's what I have to come to grips with. That's well, not what I expected this year. And no, it's not, it's not what, what any of us expected really. Because sure. we had it at 10 and 6, 10 and 6, and you had it at 9 and 7, and we, were, we thought they could be a borderline playoff. Yeah. 
I didn't think they'd collapse at the end of the year on the way to no. Memphis. And you can argue, and you can argue that they were exactly <laughs> that. Like if they're completely healthy, they're still a borderline playoff team. But the warts that showed up would have shown up if they were completely healthy or not. It doesn't matter, really matter. Like that's true. All of those things would have showed up. Right before we go to break, let me just talk about something that I, I'm looking at here on on the old Twitter machine, which is you know that wonderful place that we inhabit and we promote our show on. And I'm not going to mention the people in it, but there's a thread going on where they're debating Ryan Tannehill and Teddy Bridgewater. Mm -hmm. And you would think that as soon as Tannehill gets canned and out of this town, that all those acrimony and hatred toward the quarterback would go away. (laughs) Buried in that thread, there's a guy that says, Teddy Bridgewater is garbage, just like Tannehill. (laughs) For both guys, really. Yeah. As soon as they sign, trust me when I tell you, as soon as they sign Teddy Bridgewater, if they do, They'll hate him just as much. Well, you know uh, about this. This is complicated because before we go to break, and you know, just you, you got to look at every side of this thing. I mean, because Miami Dolphins are sitting there with Brian Tan, and I'm not saying that they should keep Brian Tannehill. And just the opposite. If you know me, then you know what I, you know, what I think this way. But I mean, we do say all the time when you have these huge knee injuries, these big, significant knee injuries, uh, torn ACL or whatever, you know, it's the second year off of it when they start to look like themselves. Clearly this year, he has not looked like himself and it has been, and it has been because his physical, his physical toughness and physical ability to, to, um, to escape pressure in the pocket and to not take sacks and to, and to do things against the blitz and to protect himself. All those things have been missing. All those things are exactly what you think would be influenced by a knee recovery such as this. And so you'd have to say, well, wait a minute, are we going to get whipsawed here? You know, we're going to get rid of the guy and then he's going to have a comeback year in, uh, in 20, you know, in 2019 on us because, um, because it's second year off an, uh, off an ACL, and we should have known that, you know? And, and, um, and so that's, that's what has to go through your head, you know? That's now, what and, you have, you have and it think. shows up in moments. Like, if you remember in 2016 in that game against the, against the Patriots in New England where they fell behind, and then Tannehill led that furious comeback that died at the 15-yard line. Yeah, yeah, When, when he overthrew uh, uh, Devontae Parker, mm-hmm. or Devontae Parker mistimed his jump to try to tie yeah, it. Right. If you remember that game in the in uh, the touchdown to make it thirty one twenty four in that game, I think it was a toss to Kenyon Drake. Uh, he was caught in between sliding or running over uh, Dante Hightower, and he actually ran over Dante Hightower. You remember the play? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he got all fired up, spiked the ball. And mm-hmm. there's one thing you can't accuse him of. He, you know, he's not. You know, he's not a wimp. You know, he's not. A no, he's not a wimp. Um, and, okay. and but that, that doesn't guy. mean. That doesn't mean he's playing the game physically tough either. No, and that, yeah, that's absolutely right. And there was a moment in this Jaguars game where he was caught in between sliding or trying to put his head down on Miles Jack. Now, Miles Jack is not Ray Lewis, okay? Right. He no, will hit you, but he, he's a little lighter, I would say, than Tannehill because Tannehill's running about, what, 225, and Miles Jack is about 215, 220 right now Yeah, because he's a light guy. And Miles Jack doesn't know whether to tackle him or touch him. And Tannehill does this half slide where he almost ripped up both of his knees. <laughs> so that kind of tells you, like, he was thinking, I'm not taking this hit. I don't care who it is that's coming. Well, I mean, it's, 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 in, his, it's in his reactions to the, you know, and the, where he's – his refusal to move up into the pocket is part of yeah. this. Um, his refusal to um, – his refusal to really put on the jets and try and outrun somebody. 
and so because of that, you know, you, you get those situations where he just like is backing up and backing up and, and you're like, well, this is going to be, you know, this isn't going to work now because no. he's backing up and creating terrible angles for himself. And, and so that plays over. And, and you see it all the time. There's, there's a physical prowess that's missing. Yes. And you wonder, you know, are we going to get whipsawed because it's going to come back next year after, you know, second year off of the, the ACL surgery. But quite frankly, quite frankly, at this point, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, you, couldn't, I, you couldn't have said it any better. All right, when we come back, due to their loss, there should be consequences. There should be consequences for this entire season, really, and part of the offseason because there were some moves made that kind of backfired on them. Mm. But first, these words. On the Five Reasons Podcast, we've got you covered on everything Miami sports. We've got a podcast out every Monday on the Dolphins and the football weekend. We've got original reporting on the big sports stories you care about, like trade talks involving Jimmy Butler and JT Real Muto, and great guests on both current events and a little Miami sports nostalgia. On a recent episode, we were joined by former Heat guard Tim Hardaway. Pat Rowley didn't want me to talk trash. We had to sit down and say, you know, he said, you know, I don't want you to be out there talking I want you to be, you know, concentrate on what we need to do and helping us win. So I was like, all right, fine. I, I won't talk because, you know, I like, I like to talk. So I said, well, let me do it in practice. He said, okay, you can do it in practice, but not in game. I said, all right, fine. We've got you covered on the Five Reasons Sports Podcast. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is Seth Levitt, and I am here with two-time Miami Dolphins team MVP. Seth, 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 man. They already know this is O.J. McDuffie. Why don't you tell them what we're really here for? We're excited to join the crew at the Five Reasons Sports Network to bring you our new podcast, The Fish Tank, Dolphins Tales from the Deep. O.J., tell them what they can expect when they dive in. Yeah, Big Seth, we've got some of your favorite all-time Dolphin players in the tank sharing some of the best stories that you've never heard. So it looks like Sasquatch is <laughs> chasing me because you, you know Izzo with his clothes on. He's so hairy, that guy. <laughs> Wait, why are you looking so, at me like I know yeah, Lizzo with his no, clothes off? Seth with his clothes off. So make sure you find the fish tank on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or if you're one of those Android people, Google Play Music, or on several cross-platform apps, including Podbean and Stitcher. Thanks for diving in. And we're back here on Three Yards Per Carry. I have Chris Kaufman here. Now, Chris, we talked enough about the 2018 Miami Dolphins and what they did, what they produced on the field. What they produced on the field seems to have brought about consequences. People want everybody fired. Oh, yeah. Okay, including the quarterback, including – I think the only guy who's really kind of safe is Dan Marino, and that's because he's Dan Marino. And because people don't think he actually does much. Yeah, although he seems to be around there a lot. He is. Okay. And he seems to have input on a lot of different things. Well, he seems, yeah, he's, he's involved in a lot of different aspects. And it's interesting because um, Dan Marino, a couple years ago, was described the way he was described and the role he was described and what he was doing working with Tom Garfinkel on the business side. It was sort of like, you're kind of like, ah, this is sort of like one of those ambassador type roles and he's more on the business side and not on the football side and stuff like that. But there was a point when that changed a couple of years back and Mm -hmm. it started to be, Hey, you know, Dan, why don't you start going 
to meetings and start going to, uh, you know, being on the practice field more. And, um, you know, he'd always been working out and in the locker room and in the training room with, uh, with the players and always, always been there. But now they, they started like, you know, hey, why don't you get involved with, um, with coaching? Like, you know, being in the quarterback meeting rooms. Hey, why don't you start breaking down film with us? And why don't you go out, go with us on these scouting trips? And it's, it reminds me of like, you know, at, at a big corporation or like a place where I work, um, you have kind of guys that come out of college and, uh, and they go on this, like, you know, this rotation program mm-hmm. where they get, they get really experienced at all these different areas of the firm. Uh, and then, and then you kind of send them off and let them specialize. It reminded me a little bit of that, like, Hey, let's get him, all this different experience and all these different areas of the firm, like we're building towards something. And, um, and we might actually start to see what, what they've been building toward with him, which is kind of exciting in some ways. Some people don't, aren't, aren't huge fans of it, but anyway. So you saw something that was reported over the weekend by Armando Salguero. Elaborate a little bit on that. Yeah. Uh, I want to give credit to Armando Salguero of the Miami Herald for reporting this. He was the guy um, and it was kind of uh, a new explosive. I mean, whatever anybody suspected, this was the, this was the report. His report was that Mike Tannenbaum is almost certain to be fired uh, and out of the, um, out of the building. And, you know, he of course is the vice president, uh, I believe, of football operations. His title is, and he's he's in charge. I mean, he's in charge of Chris Greer, general manager. He's in charge of Adam Gase, the head coach. Um, he's almost certain to be fired, but that Adam Gase and Chris Greer are both safe, barring unforeseen circumstances or change. You know, changes in circumstances. This was a significant report. It's making it's making the rounds, and uh, there's been there's been some other speculation and other rumor, you know, piecing together off of it. And what it told me was, well, first off, another report that had come out similarly from the Miami Herald uh, just before this was that Tannehill is done in uh in 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 miami that that they're going to move on after the year and i thought that those two coming on each other's heels was not a coincidence because i if you go back to mike tannenbaum's career he is really awful on the quarterback question whether we're talking about in, in the new york jets dumping chad pennington just in time for chad to have basically an mvp caliber season for the for a division rival for the dolphins in 2008 and and meanwhile, you know, that being the year that Tom Brady actually misses the year injured. Mm-hmm. So the Jets, of course, and both Jets and Dolphins are thinking, oh, you know, here's our chance. Let's let's go out and get the division title. Well, the Dolphins got it with Chad Pennington. The Jets had just cut Chad Pennington. And um and they did it because they went through this ridiculous standoff with the Green Bay Packers over a 39-year-old Brett Favre, which finally ended like two weeks into the training camp. Uh, with the Jets giving a third round pick for Brett Favre. And so, of course, you know, it's two weeks in a training camp. He doesn't have any time to get, you know, chemistry with anybody. Um, he's 39 years old. And so he starts going through hurts and injuries and stuff like that. He has a mediocre yeah. season with the Jets. It was, to, it was just an all the way terrible thing. And then you get, go after that season and you're like, okay, well, maybe Brett with a full off season and ability to get chemistry with everybody. 
you know, maybe that, that'll work. But then he cut him. He cut him and, and just in time for Brett to go off to the Minnesota Vikings and have an MVP year <laughs> for the Minnesota Vikings. So two years in a row, you cut basically an MVP caliber quarterback um, uh, performer. And, uh, and yeah, and one of them, one of them was a runner up to MVP. The other one was uh third in the MVP yeah. was the game away from the Super Bowl. Yeah. I'm not making this shit up. I mean, this, this was, these yeah. were, these were MVP caliber performances that these quarterbacks had and Mike Tannenbaum cut them both. And then when he was, you know, when he was playing the, the Morpheus trying to find the one, you know, for the quarterback that they're going to draft, it was Mark Sanchez. Yes. And, uh, and that's, and they, they traded, they traded to get him. I mean, that yeah. this was their move, move, wanted to move heaven and earth to get Mark Sanchez. And, um, and so, you know, they got him. He was, he obviously was not very good, but three years into his career, even though, I mean, and people say this to me on Twitter now. Oh, but they went to back-to-back AFC champ. That team went to back-to-back AFC championships. Sanchez yeah. personally performed awful. And he was yeah. an awful football player as a yeah, quarterback. People forget, for people forget what that team had. That team had yeah. on the offensive line. You had the Brickishaw Ferguson, who was one of the best left tackles in football. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, the center was a Pro Bowler. Mm-hmm. You had Fanica at the end of his career, but still making Pro Bowls and still being really, really effective. Yep. Okay. You had a really good running game with later on Ladanian Tomlinson. Before that, they had Thomas Jones. They had really good running backs. Their wide receivers, Antonio Holmes and Braylon Edwards. They had a lot of talent at wide receiver, and their their defense was stacked. Yeah. So. Oh, stacked. This was this was like the Rex Ryan. Yeah. Uh, you know, era of defense in in the New York Jets, and and they were yeah they were absolutely stacked. And yes, they did like get into the the playoffs as wild cards two years in a row and then got hot, won a couple of playoffs games and got to the AFC championship. But that was in spite of Mark Sanchez, not because mm-hmm. of him. And, and by any measure of personal performance of this player, he was not playing well. And yet after his third year, Mike Tannenbaum gave him an extension, a big extension. And to satisfy, because there were plenty of Mark Sanchez critics at that time, uh, to satisfy those critics, you know, he brought in competition for Mark Sanchez in the form of Tim Tebow. <laughs> that didn't work out, obviously. And then he was fired. And then when he got to Miami, you know, he was hired in Miami on February 1st, 2015. And within three months, one of his first orders of business was to give a huge extension to Ryan Tannehill. Mm-hmm. And so you don't want this guy in charge when you're about to go through a quarterback finding mission. No, you don't. Now, let me ask you this. They fire him, they fire Mike Tannenbaum, and they install Dan Marino as the guru, as the, the VP, the vice president of football operations, because everybody's like, oh, how come he's not the president? Well, the president is the owner. Yeah, the <laughs> okay. president is Steve Ross. <laughs> All right. So the president is the owner. He's the one who gets to hire and fire ultimately. Yes. Let's say they fire Mike Tannenbaum, which seems mm-hmm. to be what's going to happen here very, very soon, although he was at practice today, which is yeah. odd. <laughs> okay. Now, let's say they fire him and they install Dan Marino as the VP, which means that now Dan Marino is the face of the team. Mm. Is that enough? Did they do enough this offseason? Well, I think that when, when the report came out from Armando saying that, uh, that Greer, especially Greer, uh, and Gase were safe for the time, you know, un- unless something happens, then that told me that, you know, all this talk about outside guys, we're talking about, George Patton of the Minnesota Vikings 
or um, you know, we've brought, brought up the name Elliot Wolf or Lionel Vital or um, you know any number of these Joe Douglas of the Eagles, any number of these guys that are qualified. That's all out the window now. Like, or that's mm. they're not doing that. They're not going to get an outside guy. It, it doesn't pass the smell test. Okay, to to have Chris Greer be safe as the general manager, and yet you're going to take one of these guys that have been serving as sort of like a number two under Rick Spielman or a under, number two under Will McClay um, and, and make them and now ha- hire them to be over Chris Greer while Chris Greer still has the GM title and authority over the draft? No, it's not. This is that's fantasy. It's pure fantasy. Uh, not, that's yeah, not going to happen. Let me ask you something. Like, let's say let's, – let's choose – let's use uh, George Patton, okay? Mm-hmm. Let's say you're Steve, Stephen Ross and you say, okay, you watch this disaster against the Jaguars and you say, all right, okay, everybody's fired. And I mean, everybody, anybody who has a credential, just leave it at the door mm-hmm. and don't come back on Monday. <laughs> all okay. right. Which means that the building is empty and I installed George Patton. And then George Patton comes back and goes, uh, I wanted to meet with Chris Curry. Why isn't he here today? He said, oh, I fired him already. Oh, mm-hmm. but what about Adam Gase? Because, you know, I wanted to talk to him because maybe – you know, he could, he could be the coach mm. going forward, you know? Like, I never understood why you would just really just can everybody and then just bring in the VP and tell them, all right, here's nobody. You fill mm. in every single spot. Why not keep what you have, at least the, the framework, bring in the VP and have him evaluate these guys during a work week or an off season or even one more season? The head coach I buy, I mean, because this is – this is this fine. I mean, if you want to, if you want to, if you're not convinced that the head coach, if the new guy, you know, importantly, is not convinced one way or the other that the head coach is bad, um, I don't, you know, take a year. I don't care. Uh, but what I'll say is that, you know, it's one thing to do that with the staff. It's another thing to do that with the head guys. And Chris Greer is a head guy. He is a general manager. Okay. Yeah. This is not, this is not your, you know, director of uh, national scouting or something like that. Okay, this is a general manager, and you're hiring a guy who now supersedes him, even though he was at a job that's just that was just under him, uh, just now, you know, with the Minnesota Vikings. And so he's like, I want to interview Chris Greer. Well, guess what? Chris Greer had to be fired in order to hire you, because you weren't going to come on here. As, you know, with a guy that's under you that is the general manager and has authority over the draft. I mean, you've been waiting for this shot if you're George Patton and you're going to have somebody under you that has the authority over the draft uh, that, that's named the general manager? No, no, that's not going to happen. That's a fantasy to me. And so that's why, that's why like, he, can, he may say, I want to interview Chris Greer, but first, Greer at the very least has to be demoted. And how's Chris, Chris Greer going to feel about that? You know, if Chris Greer is going to be demoted, then maybe he's like, well, the reason you can't interview me is because fuck y'all, <laughs> you know, he, you know, I'm, I'm leaving. He's, and he is a guy that, that is respected around the league. So he could get, I mean, if it's not a GM position, he could easily catch on somewhere else. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Like so, he, could become, he, could, he could be the director of college scouting for any number of NFL. Yeah, teams. absolutely. Absolutely. And so, so with respect to Chris Greer, that's the, that's the most important thing that I took from the Amrondo note is that if, if Chris Greer is safe for the, for the time being, they're not getting one of these outside guys. And if they're not getting one of these outside guys, then what makes the most sense? Well, you've got Dan Marino that's been training on in every single area, really every important area of the firm or of the, uh, the team, the franchise, 
and uh gar and tom garfinkel and he have been tied at the hip basically this entire time get along fantastically garfinkel of course you know very competent at his job and given his background more than capable of of stepping up and handling some of the more uh detailed financial stuff with respect to the salary cap and and players and contract negotiations and things like that things that were part of tannenbaum's purview you know yeah it makes a ton of sense if you're entering qb search mode or sorry qb search mode uh you know who better to help you spearhead that than a hall of fame quarterback who you know you would hope can smell his own Mm -hmm. and and that's that's the most important thing i couldn't care less actually about all of this about because i i think it's such a fallacy thinking that we're going to change our gm and and from you know after having kind of mediocre drafting um you know kind of market returns for a number of years we're going to change our gm and this is going to change the fortunes of our team that's bs man that's not that's not how it works. It you know you you need to you need to get a player that changes the fortunes of your team, not a GM that'll do it because they're all going to go through cycles. They're all going to have upswings and and you know periods of above normal returns followed by followed by some drafts that really stink. Yeah. And um and so you know, no, that's not going to that's not that's not your lifeline. That's not your you know maybe six years from now or something like that. Then no, it's it's going to be what'll change the, the fortunes of this team immediately is getting Kyler Murray or somebody like that, and he ends up being awesome. <laughs> you know that's yeah. What'll change. It, it could change. It could change just like that. And trust it could change me, just like that. Trust me, people. We're not cursed. Okay, we're not. <laughs> we're not cursed. I don't care exactly. about Indian burial grounds under our stadium or anything. Trust me. Yeah. Super Bowls have been played there. Okay. So it's an Indian burial ground for the Cincinnati Bengals, but not for the 49ers. Right. Okay. Or it's an Indian burial ground for, it was actually an Indian burial ground for the Colts, but it was also great for the Colts because the Colts won a Super Bowl there and lost a Super Bowl there. Because <laughs> <laughs> Peyton Manning lost to Drew Brees, but beat uh, Sexy Rexy Grossman, mm -hmm. the Bears, for his own Super That's Bowl. That's right. That's in, true. In Indianapolis. So trust me, people have won there before, okay? So yeah. there's no spooky curse going on. And there but can I'm be – you can change it, like, quickly sometimes with a head coach, like a, yes. a real difference maker. Um, and, and believe it or not, like Bill Parcells, when he came to Miami in, tw in 2008, he wasn't the head coach, but that was a difference maker. That yes. remade the franchise. It was a big change. You can get a big change out of that. Um, but I think are – you, are you, who's ever going to get that – out of a um out of a gm who's not like you know built parcells was was not the gm and it, they didn't make that difference because of jeff ireland it was bill parcells and the and the tone that he set uh for the coaching staff that he hired and the players like the i mean he was he was involved in daily life for the players yeah. and so he was kind of like a pseudo coach uh and still clearly the grand poobah there so he definitely can change the um the franchise direction in a hurry or somebody like him but um but yeah i mean somebody just the guy who's who's doing the drafting no i don't think so no yeah and let me say this uh i i joked earlier on twitter that so many people wanted to keep chris greer that maybe i was thinking you know maybe this is the guy that we have to fire <laughs> <laughs> but the truth is that he has a good reputation i, I don't think that he just has the best pr agent in that building you, if you bitch to certain people in that building, they'll come back to, to you and tell you, 
no, this guy was right on this guy. He was right on that guy. And it's right. not like he's just taking credit for all the good draft picks mm-hmm. because I heard that he was all in on Deion Jordan. Absolutely. Well, they're playing a game this Sunday, Chris. Not that anybody really cares, but Adam Gay <laughs> seems to care because he says he that does. eight sounds better than seven and nine. And he's you know playing Ryan Tannehill, than- the hell if he's, you know, he's going to, he's not going <laughs> to yeah. put in David Fails or something like that. You know, Oddly enough, Ryan Tannehill has never beaten the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo. So I know that's so weird, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's not that weird. for him to shoot for. Okay. <laughs> but you know what sounds better than seven and nine? Eight and eight. You know what sounds better than eight and eight? Nine and seven. Now, obviously they didn't do that. Or so. ten and six. Exactly. But they have a chance to finish the season on a high note. Mm-hmm. Shot Jones says that we will be professional and we will play hard, whatever that means. Okay. Another very and then, and then he just walked off the field. Yes. <laughs> and another very interesting thing, fans, that you want to see. Trust me, this is going to be good theater. Devontae Parker is not on the injury report. No, God. Devontae Parker said, and he told David Hyde, Dave Hyde, that. He is. He has not been told that he's being held out of this game, and he expects to play. If he is injured in this game, we owe him nine point four million dollars guaranteed for next year. So mm-hmm. I would say that he should be a healthy scratch. If he's not, hold mm-hmm. your breath every time he runs a route. Mm-hmm. Okay, what do you expect in this game? Because this is a very odd game. We saw this game last year. We saw it at home, and Gase essentially, Adam Gase essentially tank the game because if you play mm-hmm. jay cutler the first drive and then you decide you know what i'm just gonna play a bunch of people sonoris perry's gonna get a bunch of carries and yep, yep. david fails is my quarterback it was a preseason and, game yeah it, it turned into a preseason and leonta Cruz is gonna be running some nine routes mm-hmm. and getting uh, getting ball deep balls thrown to him mm-hmm. okay if you We're start gonna doing, finally use jakeem grant a little bit more you know yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah so so we saw this game last year and we saw uh-huh. how it turned but it out. was in miami it was in Miami, but Buffalo had everything to play for. They needed to win mm-hmm. and help to get into the playoffs. We needed nothing. All we needed was a, a higher draft pick. Mm-hmm. Okay, it seems like the difference in this game could be somewhere between 14 and 17 as far as draft pick if we win. If we lose, I think as high as we can go is, what, 14th? I could be wrong on this. Mm-hmm. So what do you expect? And just because we have to, give me your prediction. No, I'm probably going to be wrong, but I'm expecting a loss. I mean, they're they're bad on the road. We know we know this, and uh, and here they go on the road. But not only that, I I I don't think. I mean, they're in mid collapse right now, and um and I think that you know when you have when you have to be reminded that we're going to be professional in this game, I think that several players on the defense are probably you know mostly checked out, and um and maybe on the offense as well. And, uh, and so it's, it's tough. I, I, I think that the defense in particular under Matt Burke um, might, might collapse more than, uh, than the offense, but um, you know, Tannehill is going to be, you know, Tannehill is going to have probably a great game. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and this is because he's auditioning for his next team. And and he can respond in those situations sometimes, so um, so I think that Tannehill could have a great game. Uh, who knows whether other guys on the offense kind of just blow it because that's what they keep having 
you know, Tannehill blow it and then other guys blow it and, and somebody and somehow every drive is being wrecked, you know, on, on some play. And uh, but on on defense is where I really under Matt Burke, you know, does he really does he really have those players? Does um, you know, are they are they playing for him in a meaningless situation? I don't know. Josh Allen, I know he can throw up some stinkers up there, but do we have the right game plan to get him get it out of him? I don't really think so. I, I, I don't trust it. I don't trust uh, Matt Burke. So I think they're going to lose. Offensive explosion from the Buffalo Bills um, within reason, say 27 points, and Miami, you know, scores 17. That sounds about right. Now, what I'm thinking to myself is that Matt Burke is also auditioning for a job because I can't think that he's coming back for another True. year here. Okay. So I think Matt Burke wants to show, hey, you know, I only allowed 10 points to the Jaguars. Mm-hmm. Blame me. And now I'm going to show you that I can game plan for a guy that ran for 135 yards on me in mm-hmm. Josh Allen. So I think he'll have a game plan that's going to be centered around the younger guys. And I thought that Mike Hall didn't, didn't play particularly bad last week, by the way. He got a few snaps. He looked okay. Yeah. He got like 40-something snaps. Okay, so I think the young guys, Raquan McMillan, Jerome Baker, Mike Hall, I think they're going to be on the field a lot. Mm-hmm. I think that they keep Josh Allen in reasonable check, but they're on the road, and mm-hmm. you just can't pick them on the road. So I think they complete their 1-7 on the road with a loss, and I think it, it, it should be an abomination of a game. So. <laughs> I'll I'll make it 19-16 Buffalo Bills and the Dolphins finish the season 7 and 9 and they pick mm. somewhere around 14th I would say which is, is a that, little bit too far Is that high him. enough to get a quarterback? Uh it might be just right for Kyler Murray because you might only have to move up four or five picks. Mm. I think Tampa is the team that you're looking at and that you have to jump. And Tampa will finish ahead of us as far as the, you know the draft order. Yeah. So Well, the next time we talk to you guys, we will be talking to you on the 3rd, and we will begin to preview the offseason. But till then. Thanks for listening to 3 Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done.